Welcome to the first episode of the As It Really Is podcast. We'll see how this goes. I'm not I'm not really sure where it'll lead us, but uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. My name is Thomas Rex. I'm Aiden Cheryl. Colin Fryer. Where Fryer. do we find meaning in our lives? Hmm. Could be personally, could be as a, yeah, I mean, I guess we could discuss it personally. Each go around. <laughs> if you have any ideas. What is meaning? Hmm. It's not um, seems like such a, I don't know, <laughs> question to start off with. I mean, we we talked about this before, and um, the answer that I gave before, I think, was uh, with people, um, meaningful relationships, building relationships, spending time with those people, um, meaningful experiences, for sure, uh, new experiences. <laughs> obviously, you could keep going into detail. Any, any thoughts on any of that? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of overlap, I would assume. Yeah, I'd say, uh, especially this past year, um, you know, being a sophomore in college and just like, I did, I did a year on online at a community college. Um, and then that was my freshman year. And then sophomore year, uh, started going to the University of Kansas and being away from family um, and, you know, close friends, Colin, you know, because you went to Drake and stuff like that. Um, it made me realize, like, just the importance of, you know, surrounding yourself with, with more, uh, you know, quality people. Um, at least in the beginning of <coughs> my sophomore year, I felt like, um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, you're meeting a bunch of new people. Um, but you quickly realize the importance of family and quality friendships. Um, so I, I would agree with that. I think I definitely, um, yeah, find meaning uh, through maintaining and uh, uh, growing uh, quality relationships with friends, family. Um, I would say another area where I <coughs> greatly drive meaning is through the work I do. I think um, like in high school when we, you know, we're kind of all getting into film um, and video, it was kind of like an experimental phase. I wasn't really exactly sure what I wanted to be doing, um, but it was fun. Um, but now, like I'm, <coughs> what I'd like to do, at least right now, my goals for the future are to be a cinematographer. Um, that's right now. That could totally change. But right now, that's what excites me. That's what, you know. Um, gets you up in the morning. Gets me up in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I bought books about it, and I'm, I'm really interested. And uh, I'd say for right now, that's, where, that's also another major area where I derive meaning. Um, if your life went in a different direction, where would you go As besides cinematography? That's a great question. Um, <coughs> Say in five years, doesn't work out. What do you think? Honestly, I was really interested in science in high school. Like early on, I like I loved biology, ecology. So biological sciences. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
maybe I probably wouldn't go the medical route. Mm-hmm. I mean, go back to school for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, not for me. Uh, even though part of me kind of likes the idea of, you know, for a while I was kind of like playing around with the, you know, the possibility of maybe doing like a, a naturopathic doctor route. But that's a ton of school and it's like, eh, do I really want to be like doing that? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of interested in like herbal remedies and stuff like that, but I don't know if I'd want that to be my profession. I don't want to be in a freaking, yeah. you know, it's clinic. Inter- it's so. interesting whenever you like think about, um, well, you know, obviously right now you say cinematography and mm-hmm. I'd kind of be in the same, not obviously not cinematography, but some kind of directing production management role. And like you have that as like your mindset, and then it's it's definitely hard to like try to imagine yourself, you know, five ten years later, doing something completely different. Yeah. And all the, you know, all the experiences that you've had up until this this point that have you've kind of focused yourself at least to a degree on, you know, this blank industry or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and then totally like oh well, guess that's uh, not for me, and then just abandoning you know mm-hmm. like well yeah it's just destiny versus reality exactly it's like exactly. And it's knowing also hard. what your calling is, yeah, versus practicality, mm-hmm. as always. Oh yeah. And then trying to imagine yourself in that role, completely, you know, as it being your your new life, as you know, maybe a naturopathic doctor, you know, it's almost impossible without that experience to even have a sense of what it might might be like. Um, but yeah, I'd say back to the um, meaning question. Um, especially with those relationships, building experiences, like new experiences, I feel like that's definitely probably is a, will continue to be a driver for me just in life, just new experiences, and uh, especially with with those people that, you know, mean a lot to you and that kind of thing, either family, friends. Um, but <coughs> yeah, Colin, um, what about you? Where do yeah, you any Where do I meaning? find meaning in life? Yep. Well, what is meaning? <laughs> no. Um what is meaning and uh, do we need it <laughs> to live a life? That's the question. That is a question. Um, I don't have a particular answer on that. You sure? What are some things that you enjoy? There we go. Well, I mean, I'm j- I'd just be beating a dead horse. I'd say music, people, family. Well, they haven't heard family. this, so you okay, can go sure. to it a little bit. Yeah. Music. Friends, family, you know, literature, <coughs> art, that kind of thing. So tell us about your um, musical interest just a little bit. Uh, played guitar in fifth grade for maybe eight months. Checked out. Didn't it didn't work. Didn't like my teacher. Um, was playing smoke on the water and hot cross buns, <laughs> all, all that stuff. Ode to Joy or whatever you play, uh, Aerosmith, uh, Back in Black, and I was like, "What is all this crap?" And the problem with the music lessons when you're a kid is you're not playing any of the stuff you want to play. Mm-hmm. It's just like rudimentary, uh, random Imagine Dragon <laughs> songs, <laughs> the things you think yep. you're interested in, but you yeah. don't. You haven't developed. You haven't cultivated a musical taste exactly. at that point. So it's like. It turns you off. That's the same thing that happened with drums. It's why I'd like to pick back up drums. Because I had a drum set, sold it. One of the biggest regrets in life. Sold my soul for an Xbox. <laughs> um, the irony. Yep. And you don't realize that music lasts versus a lot of these 
superficial <laughs> material oh, possessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you just have to realize that as you, as you age. Um, but anyway, yeah, so fifth grade, guitar lessons, piano lessons, same thing. I mean, I, I, yeah, piano, guitar, drums, all got, got out of all of them. And then what I realized later on, my dad said something. He was like, what I realized about you is that you don't like to learn under somebody else's hand or direction. Like, you don't want to have some officious professor or you know, music teacher mm-hmm. telling you what to do, saying you got to do this by the end of next week. Um, it's, it's good for like a regimen and, and uh, discipline mm-hmm. and keeping you learning. Like it's good for language learning if you're in a classroom as opposed to Duolingo. Like you could just do that every blue moon, be like, yep. bah, I'm learning French. We, oui. you know, exactly. <laughs> I know that after two months or like know how to say man and woman. But, mm-hmm. uh, but things like language learning and music, you ha- sometimes you have to have that formal structure. But for music, it wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. I did band, middle school and high school. Really loved that. I don't think I could play the marimba or the timpani or the bass drum or snare drum now. I mean, I probably could pick it back up. But anyway, and then in high school, you came, Aiden came, and... Uh, was decent at guitar, and it's like, holy crap, this might not be that bad. <laughs> and so I picked it back up from the dusty uh, catacombs of my basement and <laughs> and then started playing and realized, oh, that's not, not that hard. And you just go on guitar tabs. You just learn songs that you know. And then Marty Music. Hmm, Marty Music. Oh, yeah. And uh, all these other intro tutorials and then after a while you just you know learn the names of the chords and start trying to write your own stuff and you have no idea what's going on but that's what i realized is the best thing is when you have no idea what's going on when you're just apprehending the world with fresh eyes with anything like a kid you know you're just like very new to everything and i had no idea what chord progressions were what the names of chords were how to you know, sequence them and how to, um, like, whether to play the seventh or the sus or the, you know, the minor or whatever. I had no idea. I just played the random Whatever stuff. sounded good. Whatever sounded good. <laughs> and sometimes that's the best that, That's yeah. the best way to go, the best modus operandi, because that's what the Beatles did. Yeah. They had no idea uh, music theory, and they produced some of the best music of all time. But, I mean, yeah. So. I, with my, like, limited very limited single instrument experience not knowing not knowing how to read trumpet, music right or trombone trombone, trombone oh. yeah for three years yeah. um that was my experience was, was I, I never learned music all any of those three years mm-hmm. just positions and that's really what it was was just listening to the sound and making sure that you know there was, there was only one other guy that was playing trombone in the whole school and so mm-hmm. it was pretty much off just by ear just making he, he knew how to read music to a degree and uh but it was a great experience i remember Especially eighth grade, we had this trombone solo that we played, and uh, like in front of the whole front of the whole school, it was wow. like the big thing. It was mm-hmm. just like these. It was like it, we, trombone was like the one instrument that never got to never at least in our like kind of arrangement. Right. Never played. So it was much. like saxophone. Yeah, and sax or, or, or yeah, mostly yeah. sax and piano. You know, all, all kinds of other, other things. But we yeah we never and it was just like the most random. Um, but it was at the like the eighth grade like graduation like we had some like little five ten minute 
trombone piece and everybody else was kind of supporting it. It was cool. It was, okay. a, it was, it was a fun uh, was end. This, was, was this like first grade through eighth grade, like the whole school? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it was that. And it was like all the parents were there. Like they had, a, they had like a theater. And so like we were like, we were at the front of the stage, you know, it was like, yeah, I don't even know how I got through that. Because it seemed very <laughs> difficult at the moment. I was like, like I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna screw this up. You know, there's only like I think it was like two of us in my grade that were playing trombone. And there was one guy that was in like seventh grade. So, so it was it was, like, it was written on sheet music. It wasn't like improvised or anything. Uh, well, when we did it, it was. Oh, it was well, improvised. We, we, had, we had to memorize it because it was no, called. It, yeah. I, I saw where the name of the piece. It was called Losses Trombone, and it mm. was like this very. Yeah, that sounds tr- familiar. Yeah. yeah, trombone. Obviously, like the the unique thing about it is you yeah. can slide between notes, right? And so that was kind of the fun things you could slide, you know, up and mm-hmm. down and that kind of thing. And this and this losses trombone piece had a lot of blah, blah, blah in it. Um, yes, we memorized it and we got up in front. Like we usually were sitting in, obviously, kind of behind like, ne- next to the trumpets, mm-hmm. kind of in the back of the of the arrangement. And for this, we got up and went to the front of the stage, did our little like five minute thing, and it went really well. And it was wow, it was really interesting. And that was like five my minutes? that's like my only like profound musical experience. Yeah, well, much. no, that's that's one thing I regret about high school and middle school is I only did jazz band for a semester, a year maybe. I loved it, but I just never did it. And I'm I continue continually stand in awe of the people who can like Max or, you know, people who can improvise for um I mean, you know, it's just a scale, but it's like it, it takes skill to know like you're just speaking with an instrument. Whenever mm-hmm. you see guitar players soloing so, uh, mm-hmm. Like, I just had never stopped and thought about that before. But they're, like, talking with their instrument, pretty much. Just thinking at the exact that's, same time as they're know, doing it. Crazy. And, like, some of the most amazing um, guitarists, like David Gilmore, or, uh, who are some other good So Like, Eric Clapton, they, yeah, they speak with their guitar. And they each have a different, unique Voice. technique and sound. And That's pretty amazing. That's yeah. a level of connection that... I feel like that's that's definitely like the musical equivalent of like the flow state. Of, yeah. Of no, for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And um, that's another kind of interesting topic: the flow state, how it also applies to a lot of different, uh, many different industries. But obviously, I think a lot of live performers definitely have. Where do you think you're in the flow uh, state? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, I would say in different areas of video of you know film production. I would say sometimes editing. You know, whenever oh, you whenever sure. you've got mm-hmm. like two or three hours in, you know. Like during the bro- during like the middle of the Rogue Barons, like that entire hall, it was like one winter. Like I, I did it in a lot of different chunks, but there was one um, winter. Uh, it was like winter of twenty. It was like right after we had shot the stuff in like February, and I was at. Um, I had just got back to KU, and I was like when I was at uh, like the with all of those random guys mm-hmm. and that. Anyway, and so I was there, and uh, I had just gotten back into like using Premiere again, and um, it was. It was probably, oh my gosh, it, I just like, I was pretty much ingesting all the footage and kind of breaking everything down, but getting back used to Premiere and you can definitely start to get in that, uh, into that again, whenever, you know, just using transitions and like I was building all these presets and like everything was coming back to me at the same time. Um, and yeah, two or three hours into a session, you can just, I'm not even looking at anything anymore really for this, for the, those different scenes. And, and especially during the last session, once we, we had shot some of the, um, the footage just this last winter in January just kind of inserting it between everything. And uh, there's a lot of, um, yeah, mostly presets that I would just start to, muscle memory would kind of <coughs> kick in. And um, it, would all, it was also, it wasn't really even about just the pure editing of it. It was more like the the mindset of like, what's gonna go here, the transition, just the like the building a 
like connect the dots, you know, of these visual, like, you know, we have, I remember the, the probably the most difficult, the most difficult part of editing that whole film was the first scene because we, we had shot it for some reason. I don't know why it was the only scene that we had shot when we had like ample time. Mm-hmm. And so we were shooting it from like eight different angles. So we had like so many different angles and I was just Figuring like, lo- it out. I was losing my mind over like, okay, this is the first scene of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I like, you know, what's, uh, you know, it was all these different things. And also like, obviously we're not extremely technically proficient on set. So there's all, there's, you obviously sometimes run into like, okay, I can only extend this clip for two seconds because after that somebody made a noise or, you know, the, t- the take doesn't go long enough or something, you know, it's like, so you're, you're having to work around. That, that's like one of the most, thi- like the most fun things that I enjoy about, about editing is, is f- like you run into an issue like that, just problem solving. That's all filmmaking is really mm-hmm. problem solving, but definitely in editing, whenever you run into an issue like that, where you don't have enough of a clip or like there's some technical thing or, yeah, the audio is horrible or, or there's a big gust of wind or something and you have to find a way to, you know, not only make it work, but also make it work in a, you know, visually, you know, interesting and hopefully orally, you know, the sound is hopefully good at least, you know, and you, but you have to find a way to make it interesting while also competing with that, you know, your bad, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you're the, the, the human error of like a filmmaking, which is interesting. It's kind of problem solving at that. And sometimes you can, you can make the most, like I've kind of been forced numerous times into, into you know making a change in like the like the sequence of a scene but it ends up being a lot better just Mm -hmm. because you were forced into that yep to changing something you know looking at it from different okay well i can't do that because i've realized the audio is horrible so i gotta use a different clip or i gotta do this or whatever and sometimes it can you know be for the best in the end it's kind of interesting but flow state for you that was just editing Mm. obviously there's i could talk a lot more about it but yeah what do you think no I, i would totally agree with with editing for sure um recently i made a new cinematography reel and I worked on that for a couple of days, but man, you really just kind of hone in on what you're doing and you kind of just forget the world for a couple hours. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, it's like three hours have gone by. And it's like, holy crap, like, I've made some serious progress and it's just, you don't even think about it. Um, in other areas. Like anything in cinematography that you like, like on the set or like. You know, it's funny. I mean, I just, I have so little experience with like okay so in the past with the projects we've done we tended to wear a little like a few too many hats oh yeah on set oh, yeah. and so you know for some projects i would be director cinematographer and it was just you know too much it was too much to handle you know you gotta communicate with actors you gotta you know set up the camera you gotta you know set up lights blah 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 your eyes are going in eight different directions yeah. exactly. what, what about in your did you get any of that in your last pro, like the last project you did because you were pretty much At only KU? DP. yeah you were only dp for that right yeah really? i pretty yeah much. we so we did a uh i was in a video production class at university of kansas and uh we did a psychological horror film for our final and uh this is this was the first time where i could just specifically focus on the camera and lighting and it was such a satisfying experience and i was honestly one of the first times and um this is probably one of the first times where i had been like completely satisfied with the with the end result in the past with the uh, films that we've made you know i wore too many hats and i just kind of was spreading myself too thin and the end result was ah, i mean it's it's pretty good at some points but it could have been better you know, but this was the first time where I was genuinely satisfied. So, um, 
yeah, I, w- I would say that at certain points, I was definitely in the flow state. You know, you're switching out lenses, you're setting up the tripod, you're figuring out the lighting that's going to work best for the scene. You know, you're just doing your thing. And we shot for, we did two shooting days. Each day was, we got there at eight, got off at 12. Yeah, it was, it was like four to five hour shooting days and it, it didn't feel that long. So I would say, yeah, if you're really, yeah. On set, I was really engaged and really interested in what I was doing and um, it didn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really satisfied with the result. But yeah, for sure, I'd say I was definitely in the flow state um, while shooting that. Yeah. And um, yeah. I feel like it definitely, sometimes you don't even, not don't even realize it, but um, whenever there's, there's no other mental processes going on except for what you're doing. Like yeah. That's, I think that's not a, there's definitely high, you know, the higher and, level and lower levels of the flow state. Uh, but I'd say when there's no other mental processes going on, you know, you're so not So how do you tap into time. that? Hmm. I don't know. I think. You think um, it happens after a set amount of time? You I, I, get into it, you have that initial hump that you have to. Sometimes I definitely run into that for, and yeah, then for sure. It's flow from there. Yeah. As, as long as, I don't know, I, I feel like if you're, um, as long as you're, you're good at getting focused on a goal, like on set, you know, doing your, your one single job and not worrying about anything else besides that, no matter what's going on. So that's, that's most probably the most difficult thing. I think that's can definitely show, um, I don't know, not you're obsessed, but I remember shooting like during the rogue barons where it was, you know, we were shooting those four consecutive days the first time around. Right. So we're shooting four consecutive days and, um, just, you know, driving all these random locations, setting, you know, getting everything out of the car, it's like 25 degrees, everybody's got their hand warmers and got that like five layers on and it's like 8.30 in the morning, right? We all like pull up, get out of our cars, we got all of our sandwiches and all of our random, you know, Carson's you know tortilla. whatever. And, we're, and we all get out and we, then we hike, we take our 20 minute, you know, however long hike to the shooting location. And then we pull out the script that we wrote in like two weeks ago. I'm like, well, there we go, you know? And it's like nine 9.30 and all the, every, every, every single one of those days, every consecutive those four days, it flew by. It was at least for me. Yep. Just yeah. because it just flew by. I remember like twelve hours. Yeah. So Pretty, do you think in long. the moment does it feel long or does the whole thing feel? Um, I, I think I think in retrospect it feels it feels snap of the fingers, but in each moment, it's filled with meaning. I think so that so it makes it feel. Um, I don't know. It, it makes it feel long in in the moment, or it's it's filled with meaning. That's all I can really say about it. I think is it's very filled with intent and meaning. And so in the moment, it's um, there's no, there's nothing um, passive about it. It's very involved. And so even though it, I don't think it ever really felt long, even even in each moment, it felt very involved, very intent, you know, intentional all all the way through. That we were always doing something. We we're always working on, you know, there was there was always some intent, and it was always to you know, to keep the process moving of, of shooting mm-hmm. and then the day would be over, you know, and we'd, be, we'd eat lunch and that would take like no time. We'd be chatting around, whatever, go back to it, run through the rest of the stuff. And no matter it, it never, I, there was never a moment where I was like, Oh my God, what is this? you know, you, you don't have time for that. Yeah. You don't, you don't have the mental capacity, you know, unless you're just like a PA on like some random shoot to just, mm-hmm. that, that, that'd be the only, you know what I mean? Like I guarantee all the guys that I have worked with, like when I'm a PA, I definitely feel that, you know, the, like, this is taking forever. But mm-hmm. when you have an involved real job, there's, when you're not there's thinking no t- about the time. Exactly. 
when you're just being very intentional and, and objective. Everything is an objective. This is objective. My next objective. This, but mm. you know, going from when you're occupied, object, exactly. Yeah. Or when you're, yeah, forcing yourself to to try to complete a task. So can exactly. you force yourself to focus? That's the question. I think I don't know if you can force. Well, I think, or it is it I think it would depend on the task. I think it would depend on the whatever you're trying to do, like or whatever you're trying to occupy yourself with, because you know as. I mean, I don't want to quote, start quoting people already, but <laughs> Peterson, you know, you can't force yourself to like something. Right. So I think that kind of falls in this. That's I, I think that's why, at. exactly, I, I figured you were. Um, so, yeah, so those days would just fly by and it'd be, you know, it'd be dark. It'd be like 8 p.m. and we'd be still be free. And I don't know how we didn't, like, I, I was like this almost the same. I mean, I'm surprised nobody, got, like, got sick or, like, you know. Or I was sick got the hypothermia uh, second or time around. Yeah, the second time around. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know how we stayed warm. There were so many, there was hours where you might, my hands would just be like, you know, trying to like screw one of those. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like the rig. It was just like, everything was so cold mm-hmm. and like, I don't know. It was, it was like just the worst conditions for an indie film. I don't like, know how you worst. did it, man. It like, was the worst condition. And it was the on worst camera, condition. you know, like yeah, well, screwing the camera on and tightening. It was fun. Oh it, my it was God. desperate fun. times called for desperate measures. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it too. That was the thing is it wasn't even like, it was like something to get through. It was like, it was a fun process. Yeah. Just like being out in the middle of nowhere yeah. and like anything could happen. It was kind of like one of those, like we were so, you know, new to it and it was so unknown that it was like, oh, who knows? You know, this, this would be interesting. I will say the, uh, this, so the uh, second shooting session when we were shooting at Clinton Lake and it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night, you know, pitch black and it's snowing. snowing. <laughs> And you're like trying to screw the camera onto the shoulder ring, <laughs> and we're About just ten degrees, freezing our balls off. Yep. You know, the fire is the only thing keeping us alive at that yep. point. It's like totally dark, complete abyss. Oh. And the hand warmers like, stuffed in my shoes are have gone cold. Yeah, I have like three hand warmers in my shoes. We don't know like how much battery the zoom has yeah. left. It's just anything yeah. could happen. Like yeah. totally. But the camera too. Yeah, the camera. I remember the camera was on like one. It was like. It was like low battery for like an hour, and somehow oh we like gosh. somehow we got it. And I was like, so is that the best place to be on like the, the moment cru- of the crisis, crux, the crux of yeah. like crisis and like a, I don't know. So is that how you get into the flow state? It's like and it's problem solving crunch, as well. Yeah, having that. You I don't know. You're not yeah, allowed pressure, the like pressure. Well, can you for, to, can you force creativity? That's the thing. I don't think so. Like as in you have a deadline by the end of this week, you got to write hmm. a short story or something. You know, be some people can. Mm. I think some pressure, people. I think can. you can. For whatever reason, that makes sense. But I don't think you can just sit down and. Because know. it's it's tough to say. Because the Beatles, their first album or mm. their second album or something, one of the two, they were like, "All right, we need an album by the end of this week." Yeah. yeah. And John and Paul were like, "All right, let's go." Back. And they wrote like two songs a day or something, mm-hmm. and then recorded it all in one session. I mean, oftentimes the best results come from I think pressure you know yeah, yeah pressure maybe, yeah time pressure when you have you know could be any kind idle time yeah. and you know you, you just while it away and just well you just it's like it's like paradox of choice yeah you know it's the same thing applied to time almost you know too many you have you have a month to do it you know mm-hmm. versus that's why tw- I feel like twenty four hour film fests are so interesting as well you know like we could go into that but uh, yeah but they, they, all those days flew by and then it was over. But and that's what really proved me. I was like, wow, it, it, I don't know. I, that's that's where I connect. I remember distinctly after that, after this, at least the first the first session, but you know, two years ago almost, that it uh, it kind of at least to a degree definitely cemented that idea 
of like I don't know, not really flow state at that point, but just like, oh, okay, I guess this is what, you know, I'm at least somewhat, I'm interested in this enough for mm-hmm. it to consume me for, you know, 96 hours almost. Just like I literally go home, eat, and go to sleep almost. Oh. Like, you know, I would take the footage off the drive and then go to sleep and then get up and do it. You know, it's like, that's all. I mean, I can't, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what would happen to your body if you did that for like 90 days, you know, on like a feature. Peter Jackson <laughs> pretty much. You know? Yeah. yeah, I guess. Like, imagine, like, no working out for uh well, That's, fuck. okay, so that's one of my fears. I mean, you could do it, like, though. I mean, you, I think you can do it. You just have to be, like, you know, controlled. Well, you're on you're shooting for 12, 12 hours, hours a day or something. Standing, you know, yeah. like, you can have the energy to that's, come back home. and That's what I talked no about. Go for a run. <laughs> yeah. Go for a run. The two days, the, the days that I've done, that I was on Killers of the Flower Moon, it was, like. You're just exhausted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, imagine 100, 100, days, 100 days of shooting, days. you know, yeah. on set, like. What happens to your body? <laughs> I don't know. Completely atrophy or... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Sacrifices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's funny. Because, you know what also is interesting about that is, some, like, if I don't feel good physically, then usually I can't do that great of work mentally either, mm-hmm. you know? So that, oh, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting. Like, imagine doing, like, some study of, like, directors in, like, in Hollywood and, like, just seeing, like, the... You know what I mean? Like the the the, um, uh, the drawbacks and the trade offs of like, okay, time to do a ninety day. You yeah. know, you're gonna get paid ten million, but it's like, oh well, you're gonna be sitting in a chair. Or, you know, it's just like, it's a lot of that well, kind your of. Your body adapts after a while. And yeah, you know, like I if know, I go if I go several weeks without working out, I will eventually just like stop caring. Like I don't feel the need. Yeah, which is weird. But then I get like I go for a run. I get that taste oh, of yeah. like the endorphins mm-hmm. and the dopamine. I'm like, oh my gosh! And then I I have to yeah. work out again. It's I haven't weird. done that in so long, so I don't it's, I don't even remember what that feels like. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like you know not working out for several mm-hmm. weeks. But sometimes it just happens like after vacation, you know. Because mm-hmm. I I'm not one to really work out when I go see family. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. you got to find a gym and. Yeah, I only do I if it's con- if it's not convenient, but yeah, it's, it's got to be really convenient, or mm-hmm. else I'm just I'm just yeah. gonna embrace the, yeah. the the chill mode, you yeah. know. Um, but coming back from that, it's like, you know, feel kind of sluggish, but it's like, eh, mm-hmm. I don't mind it, you know. And then after, <laughs> so I can see my love your servitude. Yeah, it's it's not a good thing, you know. I, so that's that's what kind of scares me. It's like you know, you get back, you know, you do a hundred days of, of shooting, you know, yeah. on a on a large budget production, and is that going to be you for the rest of your well, life? I go yeah. back. You just go into a cycle of like, well, yeah, my next job. Well, what am I, doing? I mean, yeah, I don't need it. Well, that's that was the thing with Michael Pollan and his like caffeine addiction, and how he went cold turkey for three months or something, mm-hmm. and then the he drank a cup of coffee. Exactly. He said it was yep. psychedelics. Yes. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh. He was know. like sitting on a park bench and he drank one cup of coffee. He's like, wow. You know. <laughs> I mean, I. I don't know if I'd say it's psychedelic, but like when I I, I don't really Free. drink coffee anymore. But when I do have a cup, like man, it's yeah, it's just, a kick in the jimmies. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. I mean, I assume it's similar to the the like not yeah not taking pre for a while pre workout and then and then yeah. getting some. Just well, imagine being hopped up on Red Bull coffee, Monster, every inner drink under the sun all day, twenty four seven. You yeah, think you would know. even feel it at that point? No, that of course not. Your your normal state just gets shot. I don't know how you'd even sleep. It would be that's the, the worst. Well, that's what Landon said, right? He like drinks 
energy drink an hour before the copious amounts so why? Of, of caffeine because what he told us when we were hanging out he said oh, yeah, that he the um he just enjoys like the taste the aroma of coffee you know like he's he's deeply attracted to it you know and okay. he, he he doesn't want to let it go it's like he enjoys it so much where it's like but he can't have discipline about it like that's the that's the funny thing i love how some people are just so self-aware about their problems and then they're like Screw it. Screw it. I'm going to do it anyway, you know. I mean, you can I mean, only not you, well, say you can only make problem. so many trade-offs with it's, like, you know. It's like not it's like it's like okay, well, I'm never going to have ice cream my whole life. You know, it's yeah. like is that really worth it? Like it, you could be moderate about it and enjoy it and it's still balance. it's all balance. You yeah. know. I don't know. It's interesting. I was going to say what problems are you aware of in your life, but you continue down the cycle of we could we could do more menial ones like yeah. you don't have to go like you know okay. some crazy. Let's answer I mean, this and then I want to. Because I just thought about that when you said yeah. that. Okay, let's answer this and then I want to talk to you about flow state. I want to hear from you like where how you get in the flow state. It was like twenty minutes ago. I know. And we'll come back to it. Um, I totally forgot what you just prompted. <laughs> like, uh, what are some? Oh yeah. Uh, what are Pro- mean, about yeah, some problems okay. that we have and we don't fix them. Hmm. We're willingly. We're willingly. Uh, let into them. Mm, that's a really good question. I think in the past, the old me, I did that a lot. The old me. I think I've gotten a lot better about like identifying problems that I have and then acting on them, um, trying to trying to make them a little less noticeable. You know, um, one of the things that. Yeah, I'd say in the past, I, I was always like, I wanted to read, you know, I liked the idea of, of reading books, you know, and, you know, kind of cultivating a larger knowledge base, you know, I liked the idea of it. Mm-hmm. But when it came to actually sitting down and reading every single day, I was just, you know, it's like atomic habits, you know, you just got to implement these little one percent so important whatever you know changes into your routine every single day and eventually you will develop good habits and so i just made it a part of my day to like you know just the first thing i do in the morning is read 15 minutes of the bible and then read a chapter of my book and then after a while that just becomes part of the routine Mm -hmm. and i enjoy it i actually deeply look forward to reading every morning and when i don't get to Mm -hmm. You know, like if I have some stupid chore I have to do in the morning, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, no. like distraction from distraction by distraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was one thing in the past was just like never really committing. You know, I, I would just kind of like, yeah, I want to read, but I wouldn't actually sit down and do it. And mm-hmm. you know, I'd read one day and then just kind of blow it off for a week. And um, but I was very self-aware, you know, I was like, yeah, this is a big problem I have. You know, I, I tell people, yeah, I really want to read this book. It sounds so interesting. And then I like, wouldn't read it, you know, mm-hmm. or I'd read a couple pages of it and just, you know, mm-hmm. never really make any progress. That's one thing. I need to think about something that, but that's that was in the past. I, I need yeah. to think about something that's kind of relevant to me now. But what do you, what do you think? Um, I still have that issue. Definitely, really? yeah. Definitely, still have that issue and very aware of it. Um, of reading it, or what? Well, it depends on the book. That's oh. the thing for me. Is oh yeah, for def- sure. Obviously, depends on. Like, I'm I'm trying to get, make my way through this. It's only like two hundred something pages, but it's this acting book, and it's it's um, mm. called act. It's a uh, Sanford Meisner, mm-hmm. who's like it's kind of the iconic book on acting. But the thing is, it's it's formatted in a way where it's it's pretty much just a um, 
constant discussion of his classes. So it's like if you took his class and you like wrote down notes of what people were saying and like Jimmy said this and Meisner said this and they were interacting and they were doing this scene and whatever. It's written like dial like almost all of it is dialogue and it's very choppy hmm. and it's not like a narrative voice or anything. It's just like it's and it's formatted by like days and it's like I it's just it's so hard because usually I can get into I kind of have a flow state with a anything anything remotely narrative or like continuous continuous thought process you know obviously mm-hmm. but this is not that at all it's almost the not the opposite but it's it's, it's very different yeah. very different and it's extre- it's extremely difficult for me to read more than like 15 pages of it and I don't know why it's mm. just like it's it's work killing I mean but it's good it's it's kind it's it's I'm trying to draw from it as much as possible because it's, it's it's kind of a read between the lines kind of a kind of a book because it's just a lot of dialogue between this instructor and all of his his like 10 his 10 students that he's working with and it's like a semester of like their acting class and like all these different things he's trying to impart and he's very um, speaking through um, metaphor like he's, he's very heavy on that and so it's not even even in the conversation it's not totally clear what he's talking about most of the time um, it's like if you just sat and you know like Peterson's lecture and tried to like <gasps> scribble down whatever he was saying and that's yeah. like that's kind of what the book is yeah mm. and it's i'm trying to draw from it as much as possible especially like in the um uh, just during the scenes during whenever they're practicing things like that and the things the very key elements of what he's what he's trying to teach them but it's definitely difficult to get through because yeah. it's not a it's not a thought process it's not a narrative voice kind of thing yeah. um, but other books yeah i mean that but and, I, and i'm very aware of that i'll read it get through 20 pages i'm like ah i can't do it like i just can't do anymore yeah. it's because it's not it is it's not drawing me in enough. The you know I'm sure there's probably a lot of other good books on acting out there that are do have a consistent you know narrative voice, but it's difficult. So do you think you'll finish it? Oh yeah, I'll finish it. I mean I'm about two thirds of the way done, but I'm just taking it forever. You should talk about Mark Manson's. We should doctrine. his philosophy on yeah. reading. Uh, kind of interesting. Um, and Colin can definitely relate to this quite a bit. But personally, in the past, I felt like I would force myself to read certain books that I maybe wasn't necessarily ready to read or books that I couldn't fully appreciate at that moment in time. And I would just kind of force myself to read them. Um, And it was work. Mm -hmm. But I had this, like, odd guilt that, like, if I didn't finish a book, it was like, you know, you're stupid and, you know, I don't know. There was, like, this weird guilt. Like, when you start a book, you kind of have to finish it. Or you just kind of feel unsatisfied, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you're a quitter or something, you know. It's like it, it won. The book won. Yeah, the book won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's yeah. some competition. But uh, so Mark Manson, um, so he's the author, author of yeah. Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And um, what's, what was his most recent book that you read? Or his most recent one? I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Anyway, um... He, he has a YouTube channel, and in one of his videos, he talks about, um, like, his philosophy for reading and how if a book is work, put it down. You know, give it 20 pages. Um, but if, it's not, if, you're, if it's not enjoyable for you, then you shouldn't put yourself through the, the mm-hmm. pain and suffering of trying to get through it. Because he believes that books are written to serve the individual. You should not be a slave to the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was like really powerful and I was like okay that makes one that makes a lot of sense something else he said was like when you watch a movie or you start a TV show 
Um, you watch the first episode, you watch the first 20 minutes. If you don't like it, you don't suffer through the rest of it. You don't yeah. like make yourself. You just, turn it off, right? you just turn it off, find something else. And it's it's the same thing with books. You shouldn't have this weird guilt hanging over you if you don't finish mm-hmm. it. Um, so something back to that, uh, just for this book on acting, is also I'm, I've been recently trying to obviously learn more about acting and, and start to kind of work my way into it a little, a little more, do some, get some more experience. And that was my primary reasoning behind reading this book um and it is it's funny because there's definitely been books that i've started before that i'm like this is does not interest me this is not not written in a way that or it's it's either the language wasn't there or or something um in the past but there's definitely like great nuggets of 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 you know the essence of this guy's teaching that i'm enjoying but it just takes a while to get Mm -hmm. to those you know just so much dialogue like it all probably 90 percent of it is like quotes just like mm. you know one of his students saying this like it, it's just like somebody transcribing the mm. i mean not totally but it's like a little shortened like december 11th is the class that's like blah, blah, blah. how much would you say is like been legit substance out of the two-thirds that you've read i do like one, one aspect that i do like of it like that i like of the the idea of how it's written is that it's all real world acting experience like mm-hmm. these people really going through um scenes and you know dialogue and all those kind of things so that's that's i like that but it's just the really the format so i would say probably 25 percent of it is 20 25 okay. so it's a decent chunk um because he's always like interjecting and telling these students what they're doing Got incorrectly it. and you know that kind of thing trying to give them pointers and um but it's very like here's your base of you know, this is kind of how he teaches it. Is how it, here's your base, and then everything else. You know, here's your base of these these certain skills, or certain uh, you know requirements to follow, or to to adhere to, and then the rest of it is you know comes naturally or mm-hmm. you know, comes with creativity that kind of thing. Um, so th- I I definitely enjoy that part about it. Well, I think you were you were going to bring up the sperm book maybe. And the, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, mo- most of it was superfluous. And well, sure. Uh, What's the book you're talking about? Uh, it's called uh, Countdown, written by Shauna Swan. Um, I was originally interested in the book um, because it discusses the declining um, sperm count in uh, males that has been uh, decreasing by 1% every single year for the past 50 years. So our generation has 50% less like mobile, healthy sperm than did our average on average, on average than, you know, you know, the average male 50 years ago, which is pretty terrifying. terrifying. That's pretty 50%. That's a massive. What's that one movie that you saw? Children of Men. Yeah, Children of Men. There's even, there's a couple other ones, but yeah. So she draws like several, you know, she kind of, you know, not necessarily predicts that that's exactly where we're heading, but, you know, she draws, she kind of, you know, draws from, uh, you know, Children of Men and, like, The Handmaid's Tale. Like, this is a bleak future that we could be heading towards. Um, and we need to be aware of, you know, chemicals in the environment, you know, like in our... Microplastics. Microplastics, you know, uh, all sorts of chemical products that we use in our homes, you know, like even everything down to, like, the... You know, like the nonstick pans that we use, you know, detergents that gets into maybe? our food and detergents yeah. and soaps and, you know, uh, 
deodorant, soap. Can we escape it? We, we, yes, you can. You that's actually it. that's actually her main claim. You know, she, like the Amish or something, or what? No, no, not not because then like who's gonna read her book if that if that's her claim? You know, right. Like, um, so she has to offer offer practical. Yeah, it, it's actually very practical. Towards the end, she gives really good practical uh, advice on like you know just being like more aware of like what exactly you're like what products you're using. You know, like um, if you know if if you're. Uh, air freshener has this, you know, uh, this chemical in it, then don't buy it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes, you know, companies will substitute certain chemicals for others, but they're just as bad, and it's, you know, you need to be aware of that. Um, and she actually did do a really good job of kind of laying out exactly what you need to be aware of. And um, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible, you know, if you go the organic route and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, avoid avoid uh, products with like, you know, a hundred different ingredients that you can't you know pronounce the yeah. names of. It's like, what are you, yeah. what are you putting on your body? Yeah. You know, what are you consuming? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't tell me, then it's probably not. Yeah, like you can get a bag of chips, like yeah. Doritos, where it's like fifty, 50 ingredients. ingredients. Like, what is this toxic? Red forty, red ten. Yeah, like what red the hell six. is this? Or you can get, you know, plain blue corn fructose. chips or just regular Sucrose. corn chips yeah. with you know salt, oil, and corn. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, obviously one tastes better than the other, but, it, you know, sacrifice. You, know? you, you ever watch that one video on the history of sugar? Oh, God. There, you know, there's a great, there's a series on Netflix that looks extremely interesting, and it's it's called Explained. And it's, sugar was one of the, I haven't watched it yet, mm-hmm. um, but it pretty much just breaks down topics like that. I've, I, but I've, I've heard something about what, is there, do you, do you have anything to, to go into that? Uh, well, they just added it to coffee, and you know it was all these sugar plantation, yeah, plantations, and then they'd export it to Britain, and it got everybody hooked, and their little uh, donuts and their little Danishes and everything, and then it just was an addiction, and you know you can't get people away from it now, yeah. but yeah. we don't need it anymore, because you know calories mm-hmm. in hunter gatherer lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. it was like this sweet honey taste but now we don't need it because we have, a, we have an abundance off. and variety of food that we can select from yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting like those kind of elements of evolution that are we've outgrown kind mm-hmm. of kind of thing that's very i'm trying to think of yeah. any others that are like that hmm. yeah going back to the book yeah. though um the reason why colin brought it up is um it it's 200 pages but it felt like it could have been 40 right. or 50 and that was kind of like the the main thing that that annoyed me about it it's just very superfluous you know just get to the point you know i don't need to hear all this this you know this nonsense this like bs speculation you know blah, blah. Mm-hmm. i want i want to know the facts um and i want to know the practical um application application mm-hmm. you know if like how i can avoid these chemicals in the environment and yeah, it just did not need to be 200 pages. Was it, um, like, opinion? Like not opinionated, but to a degree. Like, outlining, the, like, she would kind of outline the facts with, like, her opinions about everything, or is that kind of why it was uh, so long? I don't really remember her giving much of her, like, opinion. I mean, she, maybe occasionally, mm-hmm. like, she kind of, she out, she gave the facts in a, in a good way. Um, it was just, like, kind of the... Uh, Certain chapters were just unnecessary, and it just took a long time. There's a lot of buildup to get to the, mm. the meat, and it's like, just give me the meat. Yeah, I got you. You know, um, you know, a little buildup is okay, but 
not a hundred pages worth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Colin, uh, what oh, about? Okay, I was gonna say something on that. Yeah, along those lines, uh, I think Nietzsche once said that he could write something in ten words that somebody could do in an entire book. Mm-hmm. Those are the most valuable authors. Where it's like Robert Greene, mm-hmm. every exactly. line is impactful, exactly. means something. Huxley. There's no like half the page is footnotes mm-hmm. or anything, <laughs> references. Yeah, it's just all meat, yep. all, all meat. wheat, no chaff. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's that's exactly. I will say that I'm not going to go into the book, even though I really enjoyed it. But the Forty Eight Laws of Power by Robert Greene is probably the best book I have ever read. Every single line is just like dripping with meaning. It's incredible, and uh, it's probably the first book I've read where I don't think I dozed off. Mm. Like yeah, mentally. once reading it, it was yeah. just very engaging, very blunt to the point, practical mm-hmm. wisdom, and it was it was amazing. Yeah, 400, 400 plus pages. That's a lot to keep you me- yeah. mentally occupied. But it's, it's pretty all, all his books very are like that. Yeah, yeah. most of them are three hundred, four hundred pages. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, but yeah, so Flow uh, State Beyond Good and Evil. You were talking about that. Yeah. Oh. Well, that too. So I was gonna go back to that. Yeah. Okay. So. As a film student, as a kid doing bro perfect trick shots and all that other stuff, <laughs> getting into films, I felt the onus was on me to watch all these classics. Just like you have to, you feel like you have to read all the classics of mm-hmm. books, yeah. uh, like Slaughterhouse Five and yeah, yeah. Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. and Jane Eyre and all that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you could probably go into that, but yeah. And so, like, at the same time with film. Lawrence Arabia, Bridge on the River Kwai, Casablanca, you know, mm-hmm. all this. Even though a lot of those are great, but mm-hmm. I had no, I couldn't comprehend comprehend any of that. <laughs> I was just this two IQ, you know, Consume. watching this film. Yep, and I was like, yes, art. But I had no <laughs> idea, and um, I don't know where I was going with that, but like you um, felt obligated to watch these classics. And yeah. Your so yeah. So at, at um. Likewise, for reading books, you feel obligated to finish something, like how we were talking about last summer. I was reading some random book, Democracy in America. It's like 800 pages. I couldn't last a line, but somehow I forced my way through like 200 pages. I'm just gonna speed read this, you know? Like, why was I doing that to myself? Why was I subjecting myself to that? And then when you asked me, well, what is it about? I was like, I don't know. The Indians? I don't know. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, that's one of those things that you're like, you don't have to finish the book, but you just feel that guilt, like yep. you said. And Think? I just consume. Yep. <laughs> Buy water, use water. <laughs> um, it's like, that was you with those films. Yeah. Think? No. Watch. No. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, yeah, like you said, with... Um, Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah, Beyond good, good and Evil. And then I was telling you about the anecdote the other day with... Um, Woody Allen and how they he had to speed read War and mm-hmm. Peace or something mm-hmm. and they were like so Woody what was it about he was like ah Russia <laughs> that's that's what I feel like with like any book or not any book but like just like those long books that yeah. have you know just strain it down like, to one word yep <laughs> yeah, pretty much one phrase so do we want to go into one of these other well I want to get back oh to, yeah flow um, state Flow state. So, Colin, where in your life do you find yourself getting to the flow state? Music and writing. Like writing, so writing songs at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know where it comes from. 
it just possesses me. I'll, most of the time, it's on a walk. Like, I won't even have an instrument with me. It'll just be on a walk. And because you'll just be sitting there, and you'll be at a dead end. You're like, okay, this is not working. I got I to gotta get out. I got to go somewhere else. And the problem with home life is there's so many distractions. Mm-hmm. So many distractions. Sorry, Mom. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for telling me. But it's just like dog barking. Or you got to unload the dishwasher. You got to mow the lawn. You got to do this. You got to um, mm-hmm. get stuff for the apartment next year. You got to, you know, all the, I'm vac- <laughs> vacuum, same thing. It's just like all this, white, all this white noise, all this, just, you know, so many distractions. And I feel like I should put a sign or something to be like, in creative mode <laughs> yeah. right, now, right now. Don't disturb. Don't disturb. Do not disturb, yeah. like the hotel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's why I'll, because I did that a little bit, a little while ago, and they were like, where were you? Where are you? Like, <laughs> on a walk. I'm not, I'm on a different plane. Because that's what, uh, I don't remember who used to do that, but, um, so some philosophers or somebody walks. Yeah, walks used to, are pretty used to walk like just in the woods or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it is amazing what can come mm-hmm. to your mind, like in because you, you just don't you don't think, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Bing, mm-hmm. Big Bang, yeah. just happens. Mm. Nothing to something, and it's not you doing it. I mean, it is you, but mm-hmm. you're just a conduit. It's, it's almost you're like more a, like you're discovering. You're just a prophet. Right. You know, you're taking. And a vision, uh, like a, some vision from some other realm. Mm-hmm. It's coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. I you're not feel doing so. anything. It's like, I'm not worthy of this. That's mm-hmm. why you feel like an imposter sometimes. You just, yeah. you're like, that wasn't me who did that. Yeah. You look. You're you just look, a conduit. I yeah. Like, do you I look like back on analogy. your past works and you say, mm-hmm. who was that? Yeah. Like, I did not write that. I did not film that. I did not edit that. Mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. f- I felt that recently while writing that script. It was like yeah. some of the some of the script, just like just you know, just it's like it was already there, but I'm just mm-hmm. like filling in the yeah. blanks, kind of thing. Like it was already there. Like everything just has to be discovered. Yeah, or just like you, you need a prompt. Like you need the the initial like, you know, get over the get it started. Yep. That's why I feel like there's so much to just like anything in life, but just tr- just trying, just like getting getting your foot out the door, mm-hmm. you know, and then opportunity presents itself, you know, with with you know with that determination that consistency it, it presents itself do you ever feel intimidated like by your past self what do you mean as in i'm never going to be able to top that i'm over the hill i'm no. stagnated no, no. You just not yet going. i agree I not agree yet Thomas. No. yeah i don't think so not yet i mean i feel like i have to be 50 years old at least before i feel even i mean maybe not even then i mean, who knows? I mean no. it'd be interesting to ask like scorsese that question or somebody like that's you know nearing the end of their career or nolan or i don't know some working director that's well, what do you think improvement is if it's I mean I would say it's probably more it's I would say it's if I could boil it down more efficient problem solving at least in film sorry at least in film in the film context more efficient problem solving can you measure improvement I would say it's probably I don't know it, it I don't know that's a good question there's this Calvin Hobbes comic where it's like when the numbers go up it means you're having more fun you know, with anything, yeah. with you're running a race faster, you're making more profit. It's like who's who does it? Where's the meaning derived from? It's like, is it you? Is yeah, it are you the you one know. that's determining or the improvement? External. It's a good feedback. question. You know, like if you make a, you know, like what if you ask like the director? Well, I don't remember his name. It's totally escaping me. But the room, right? Tell what do you, what, yeah, yeah, tell me what, what do you what do you ask? You ask Tommy Wiseau. What, what do you think yeah. he thinks of it? Yeah. You know, good question. 
is are you the is the man is man the measure of all things and is he is success just what you think of it or what other people think of it because if you just say i'm successful and you're just like you know some druggy low life bum Yeah. yeah like well sure but in other people's eyes, you mm-hmm. aren't. Yeah, you're right. But do they matter? That's the thing. Exactly. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, "Well, you don't need people's feedback because other other you know, there's two alternatives. You either imitate somebody evil, somebody like out to get you, or you um, I don't remember the other one, but it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, or you resent them. Like, you resent their success. Okay. You resent their yeah. status in mm-hmm. life. Their, mm-hmm. you know, the rung that they've climbed to. And the success is definitely an interesting. Uh, has, you know, it seems like it has many different sides. Because when will enough be enough? Exactly. That's what we were talking about. The, the downside day. of yeah. it. The downside of success as well, right? Kind of going back to what you're saying with the, the peak of the mountain. You know, where are you... Mm. Is Seinfeld left when he was on season nine, when they were at the peak, and he was offered like one point five million dollars for another season. Yeah. Nope. Anybody would be crazy not to take that. But it's also he like didn't how much do you it. value. It's almost. It's also how much do you value your own, um, not your own. Well, I don't know. It depends on, yeah, your own create your your own creation, your own. Um, because obviously he was he was thinking of. Well, I don't know what his thinking was, but was it, you know, Just I want to leave on, on top. top. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Don't leave any room for yourself. Didn't to fall. Game of Thrones like the final season yeah, or like the last episode horrible. or something was? Well, I think it was a season. Yeah, yeah season. Yeah. season. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but yeah, apparently. Well, Breaking Bad too. I mean, uh, Vince yeah. Gilligan. Yeah, he knew when to end it. Yeah, he oh, knew when for to, sure. Yeah. How do you know when seasons? to end it? That's the question. <laughs> a natural, like I don't know. It's gut instinct. The story. I don't know. How but does far? intuition lead you down a bad road or a good road? Like I, I think it's about you know like cryptocurrency or like yep. you know investments you know like mm-hmm. when do you when do pull you out. pull out like do you trust your gut what is your gut actually telling you mm-hmm. you know is your gut telling you to stay in because you know you've made enough money yet mm-hmm. it might go up more you know and in that case maybe intuition isn't such a good thing and it's the rational brain that really needs to take right. over you know like this is enough yeah i need to pull out now passion versus reason exactly but at other times i'd say that intuition is definitely far more you know you yeah know. the scenario definitely. yeah it depends on the situation right i, well, you I feel like there's definitely gut in some situations yeah, like, exactly. and other situations or it's like yeah you're, you're like you're weighing you know you're, you're weighing the scale gut versus like you know, logic yeah i was reading the other day about how a lot of computer or algorithms um, do stock trading and in 2013 or something there were uh, Syrian hackers got into the Associated Press's Twitter account Mm -hmm. and said that Obama was hurt and the White House was down or something Mm -hmm. like that and boom in two minutes the stock Stock. market plummeted like (sighs) 1.6 billion just because of computer like like trading it wasn't like human so yeah and then all in like three minutes later peace was restored and associate press was like no this was a hacker and then it went back up but 
the fact that we have so much relying on computers mm-hmm. and verse and how can those i mean how can humans even compete with a you know an ai trading system mm-hmm. it's just like constantly with, aware constantly making moves yeah it's, i mean that's it's just not like wolf of wall street i mean like how can those guys <laughs> even compete with you know i don't know hmm. that's true that's a good point do you have any more to add for the uh the flow state um just like any detail any like any well, like it was emotional was, details or anything that you know it was what i was talking about earlier with writing you have to get over that initial hump you mm-hmm. see the blank cursor on the screen you're like i can't do this no no everything's just pulling back and then once you get over that first paragraph or whatever mm-hmm. then you get into it but then as soon as distraction yeah for you for you though like more specifically what whenever you're writing either yeah writing music what's the like emotional state or like mental emotional state of you in that in the flow state mm-hmm. like as best you can describe it or what are you not feeling either way you could i try not to put i try not to lay any judgment on it i try not to um, mess it up in any way because there was something that Dylan was talking about a long time, a long time ago, and he's very um, taciturn in his interviews. Like he doesn't reveal anything about himself. But there was there was this one sixty minute interview that he did about ten years ago, and he was like, "Yeah, songwriting is very precious. You have to. It's like a very personal thing. You can't show it to other people before you're done." Otherwise, it just gives up the whole show, and you have to, um, yeah, you just can't think about it. You can't think about it while you're doing it. You can't think and simultaneously write at the same time, which I know that sounds paradoxical, but, like, you can't be like, oh, this is going to be so great, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you've already it's gone. You mm. know, you've already jinxed yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to just say, okay, I don't know what this is going to bring. I don't know what the next line is going to be. And sometimes it'll start out with one line. And then it'd be like, where the heck is this going? And you just ride, ride the wave. The, ride the wave. Mm. Sounds and like a very natural, like process. Almost. Well, I've realized that you can't force anything. You can't. You can't be like, I'm gonna write a song for my mom, or I'm gonna write a song for, you know, my grandpa, whatever. Yeah. Like you can do that, but it's not gonna be good. Yeah. And it's frustrating when you feel like you've stagnated and you feel like that. Oh, I'm never gonna do that again. Uh, I, you know, the creative creativity has left the station yeah. and never come back. Um, and you know, you can't constantly rely on that that input and that spark mm-hmm. um, all the time. But you just have to be patient and let it come. And it's, I don't know, <laughs> it's. It it's kind of it would be a little bit pretentious to say it's a miracle, but mm-hmm. it is. I mean, you it's feel like, like that sometimes. Where does it come from? Mm-hmm. So would you say that you can't force like emotion into a piece of work, but you can force creativity? Because earlier we were talking about how like time pressure is when you tend to be like the most creative. Mm-hmm. But you also just said that you can't force creativity. So like. Well, that's what I was saying. I was saying there's there's two sides of the coin. You can't force creativity. Like uh, my English professor, she didn't give us any grades. 
she was like, I don't believe in grades. Mm. I don't believe in that extrinsic motivation or reward, mm-hmm. uh, rather. And, uh, you know, there's soft deadlines, but it's like you can turn in your short story whenever you want. Mm. And, That's really well, cool. does that motivate people? And Yeah, you got this much time. Now. You know, I didn't mind it because I was like, I got nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I My short story peak came and went <laughs> last semester. I, I, I wouldn't be capable of writing another one. But I was in the songwriting mode. And I was like, hey, could I show this to the class? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so I went that route. But it's, it's yeah, so there's two sides of the coin. You can be um, under a deadline or just let it come and no rush. Because a lot of, like, musicians, they have to put an album out in a month mm-hmm. versus if you have a, or if you're a big name and you've been known for a while in the industry sometimes you set your own rules and your own way of doing things like mm. you know Dylan could go three I mean he went like five years without making an album he would make albums and trilogies like this burst of creativity and then nothing for like two or three months or not sorry two or three years mm-hmm and imagine going two or three years without doing anything. Yeah. Because you're doing stuff, but you're not like actively in that, trying to. Yeah. yeah, in that intense creative state. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, there was, he talked to, you know, Leonard Cohen, the yeah. guy who did yeah. uh, Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, it took him months to write that song. Yeah. But Dylan, on the other hand, says that the best songs come. Quickly, yeah. boom, like that. As I told you about John Lennon and mm-hmm. the Cross the Universe, he just woke up one night or the next morning or something like that, and the words just boom, words are flowing out like rain to a paper cup. Yeah. They slither wildly as they make their way across the universe. What do you think the, the difference of month versus like ten minutes is? It what, what do you think is going on? There? Or is it? I don't know. I think it's just perfectionist. Because yeah. Paul Simon also did that. His autobiography was really good and revealing, but. He would often um, tinker with a song for months. Like he went on. Do you have this, a personal preference on that? Uh, I would say it has to be done in like a day, two days, three days. Otherwise, you're just gonna lose it. But um, he went on the uh, not Ed Sullivan show, but the other one. Um, anyway, Paul Simon went on there, showed his rough version, his demo of. Mrs. Robinson or Bridge Over Troubled Water or something. Mm-hmm. And it took him a while to write Bridge Over Troubled Water. And he would just get frustrated because he's a perfectionist and would continually tinker with it versus... Like, I, I've had stuff that has just been lying around for months, and then you go back and you're like, I can't do that. Because it's it's all about recapturing the... Yeah, the moment. Or like the, the moment. feeling, emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's why Dylan liked to do his songs live in the studio versus doing all the overdubs and all the other yeah, like drum tracks. Because I was talking to Max, and he said that he told me in January that he was going to record an album in March or like April mm-hmm. or something. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll listen to that. Well, flash forward to now, in his at his performance, he was like, yeah, we just got the drums tr- drum tracks laid down. That's about it. It takes a long time to do that. Mm-hmm. Like if you're to do it one step at a time, do it piecemeal, like 
that's why Dylan resisted going, um, doing all the overdubs and everything until like the eighties because he just did it all, all natural. It's interesting, mm -hmm. like tinkering with the creative process that way. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's a spout. So it's like, you have that bank Production that's like a valve. spout. Yeah. And then now you're trying to like, Oh, got to capture it. Huh, no. huh, how do we? You know, it's like, it's on. And it's like, you have this little tiny, you know, like, like Colin's saying, like living in that emotional moment, that creative moment, mm -hmm. but trying to like, you know, work within like the technical aspects of like actually producing a piece of music, which yeah. is, you know, what you're talking about with recording and all that kind of, and just like you're trying to contain this creative like energy and, you know, mm -hmm. transfer it and do all these different things over. And I feel like, yeah, definitely shortest amount of time would probably be the most pure and you're not, there's not like a lot of, but. Well, it's like film project too. Like, what do you feel dragging it out for a long time? I mean, Rogue Barons, obviously we had to do that, but. The film projects that came really quickly, like Hallow Grounds or mm -hmm. what other ones? Stand by Me, decently quickly. Um, yeah. The versus the ones that the shorter the actual like, twenty-four hour film process. process. Yeah, yeah. Even though because Wheeler really was dragged out for a year. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. We wrote Wheeler a year, a year prior mm -hmm. to making it. Came back, tried to recapture that. Nothing was there. comedy <laughs> or whatever <laughs> was there. Gone. there was nothing and there. you can't, you can't rework it. And you just can't do was it. Gone. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, you can't. That's you what I was. Emotion. Yeah, you, you don't, you, you can't like, yeah, it's like trying to recreate your mental state of that yep. time. And it's just impossible. You know, you've changed. You've changed. Yep. You know, you're not in the same, you, you're, you're this way, you're this far down the path, you know, and you were here. Yep. And it's just, yeah. do we want to wrap it up with, um, I don't one, know if we one, have not time no, 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 just question. like a short, just a short one. I just, <laughs> okay. just want to get like a single answer of what gets you up in the morning. Just like a, we got about five minutes each. Did we kind of already answer that, or uh, did we? I don't know. Did we? We touched that? on it a little bit. I mean, we're probably going to rehash the same things that we've That's already. Right. I'm just trying to remember but if we did. I mean, just like a little short answer. Okay. I'd say for me, probably, um, is just self improvement. You know, every day and just uh, striving to uh, be consistent with the things that bring me joy. So, like, being consistent with reading, for example, every morning, you know, like, I look forward to that, and I read for self-improvement, and so it's kind of like this feedback loop, you know. Um, but that's kind of what gets me up in the morning. Um, and then, obviously, self-improvement with regards to, you know, film and cinematography. Um, and then... working out, making progress in that area. Um, so, yeah, I would just say self-improvement, you know, kind of like a broad answer. But um, So what is the goal in that? Just feel good? Live a sustainable life? <laughs> feel good? <laughs> no. Um, there are definitely – well, you know, with uh, – regarding film, you know – to be a professional cinematographer, I don't really know what that means exactly. You know, like, what's the goal there? I don't really know. Uh, do you need a goal? Do you need a goal? That's a great question. Because they, self-help books and everything say you always need goals. And on one hand, that I is true. I mean, Peter, I like Peterson's steps. always like, yeah, you got to orient yourself towards the greatest possible good, you know. Mm -hmm. But well, if you don't have a goal, you're just aimless. aimless. Yeah, you're just aimless. You're wasting time. You know, yeah. so well, uh, but are you? But I, uh, I, you know, I maybe there's no like, you know, peak 
of the right. of this you know like the summit you know but you have these micro goals that you're you know checking off yeah you know every day or maybe every week right you know so in progression towards goals. the blank goal which yeah. you're probably never going to achieve that's there's a really great matthew mcconaughey quote about that like i'm chasing myself mm-hmm. i'm chasing myself in 10 years i'm chasing this guy i'm chasing mm-hmm. that's all you're doing there's not exactly. even really going to ever be a end but mm-hmm. you're just constantly chasing the next you know and hopefully it's a you know uh, you're chasing the right things hopefully um, mm-hmm. chasing your shadow exactly yeah <laughs> to a degree, i mean to a degree that's kind of what you're doing you. but uh, is it are you done on that or i think so if i think of anything else i'll okay say. i'd mine would be similar but it would probably well not probably be but it it, it definitely is definitely related to like the um the limited time we all have you know, mm-hmm. just being alive. And so that's the main thing. And like, I don't, the last thing I want to do is look back and be, ah, coulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, all these, all so these So have things. you regretted anything in life up until this point? I'd have to really think about it, but not so far, I don't think. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe smaller things, but nothing, n- nothing that I can't change, nothing that I can't progress towards and and that kind of thing. So I think it's really the limited time aspect, and just like I don't want to, don't want to, squ- don't want to squander this time. <laughs> I yeah. feel like squander the squander. gold of your youth. Like, yeah, all no. those things. Um, but yeah, re- really, just the limited time aspect, and but, and just yeah, self improvement in any aspect, um, and then just improving different you know disciplines, and that's definitely the, the core element of my of most of my being. I think is that, and that could go relationships, meaning. You know, improving my uh, concepts of all those as well. Mm-hmm. You know, improving concepts of meaning and, you know, trying to learn more about yourself and self-discovery, all those kind of things. But definitely the limited time aspect of not wanting to regret not having done something, or mostly, I would say. I would agree with that, yeah. What about you, Colin Meister? Uh, pursuit of wisdom. That's what it, yeah. All right. Pretty much, yeah, just an umbrella term for everything you just said, but... Um, literature philosophy mm-hmm. uh art music that yeah but also the chance at writing something that'll top whatever came the previous day mm-hmm. or writing yesterday mm-hmm. a bridge over troubled water mm-hmm. or you know bohemian rhapsody or something mm-hmm. um there's always that potential you, you look at a you look at a kid you look at a infant fetus you're like he could be the savior Unlimited of the world potential he could cure cancer you never know it's just this nebulous future potential that you Unknown. have and you have no idea what you're capable of and that's often frightening but it's also liberating at the same time mm-hmm. you can you're the arbiter of your fate and the world is your oyster and Kids out there, this is inspirational speech. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. Anything's possible. Mm, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up. If you guys have anything, anything to add, any, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's nothing you're. Uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah, so. I think so. Well, thank you for guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys and see you next week. Adios. Vidal's